Welcome to the Kick-Ass Chronicles podcast. I'm your host, Nikki Weaver. You might also know me as the brand medium. I have been in the branding industry for over 20 years now. I'm a published author and I'm also a psychic medium. So in my normal days, you can find me doing psychic readings for people's businesses and brands. But right now, right here on this podcast... I am talking to a bunch of kick-ass businesswomen who have made it successfully in business despite some setbacks. Some of them have personal challenges and some of them have had business challenges, but either way, they're going to tell us how they overcame them and how we can do the same. And they're also going to give us their recipes for success. So if you're starting up a business or you are wanting to get further in your business, then this is the podcast for you. So go grab a cuppa and settle in. And let's get on with the Kickass Chronicles podcast. I am so excited to be here and I'm excited to have you here with me. I've been wanting to get this podcast off the ground for a really long time and it's finally happened. So thank you very much for joining. Um, the Kickass Chronicles is basically a podcast where I get to chat to some amazing ladies who have become successful in business despite or sometimes because of facing some, you know, life and business and just general challenges, as we all have. Um, but for me, I like to get in behind the scenes of their the brain workings of their brain and their trials and tribulations and, you know, find out how they've overcome what the challenges they had to overcome and still become successful um, and just the way that they have gone about that. So for this first episode, I thought that I would introduce myself, explain to you why I'm doing this podcast, what makes me qualified to chat about this stuff, and just my journey in general as well, because I have a few stories to tell my friends, <laughs> which is kind of what makes me love people's stories. I love hearing about people's stories. I, being neurodiverse, I, I feel like this is a neurodiverse thing, but I've never been a top line superficial, polite conversation sort of person. I like the nitty gritty. I like to know the shit. <laughs> I like to know your trauma. I like to know your, you know, your baggage, all this stuff that's happened. And I like to know how you overcame it and where you're at, what your goals in life are. Like none of that boring, how's the weather stuff for me. So yeah, so that really, as a long story short, is what led me into publishing because I I love it. I love, everyone has a story in them. And I, you've probably heard me say this before, if you've followed my socials but every single person in this world has a story we all have a story it's whether you choose to share it on because there is so much like the the extraordinary comes from the ordinary there is so much extraordinary within the ordinary and people think that what they have and their little journey and their story is not important or not interesting to other people but I guarantee you it 100% is. There'll be people out there who would love to hear your journey and your st story. And so for me, a part of that and wanting to share the story too, specifically of successful business women, is because a lot of people will look at successful business people in general, but we're talking women specifically here. A lot of people look at successful women and go, oh, it must have been so easy or that, you know, because they make it look easy. They think it, they just had a, you know, golden platter handed out and, and that it all just fell in their laps. But the, the reality is 
that it's never, ever just falls in anyone's laps. We all have to work hard to get where we want to be, especially in business. And quite often running your own business is comes hand in hand with personal challenges so and business challenges, but it's it's such an intricately linked process, the journey of starting and running a business and your own journey, journey of personal development that they kind of almost go hand in hand. So what I wanted to do was share the stories of other women so that anyone who's at the beginning of their journey could kind of look at that and go, well, she's now earning six figures in her business or she's like built two businesses that are six figures or seven figures or whatever, um, and who some of my guests are in that category. Um, and, and so and she's gone through those same issues that I'm going through right now. So how did she get out of that? How did she turn it around? And you know, how can I do that for myself as well? So yeah, so that is kind of the why, I guess, behind me wanting to start this podcast, behind the fact, besides the fact that it is just ridiculously interesting to me about you know people's psyche, the human behavior and human psychology. I just find it all incredibly fascinating. So outside of my interest in, in picking people's brains <laughs> and getting right inside them, yeah, I wanted to be able to share that and inspire some other people, like especially when you are at the start and you're going through some grueling stuff and you just feel like you're alone you feel like you're the only person who's ever been through it. You feel like you're never going to get to the end of it and it's really hard to see a light at the end of the tunnel. I want these women and these stories to make to help people realise you're not in it alone. There are people who have gone through it. There is a light at the end of the tunnel where you can get out of it. And in fact, you can actually even live a better life than you can even possibly imagine. You can be super successful. You've just got to stick with it and, and I guess, overcome the the, play, the place where you're at. Because from a philosophical perspective, I suppose, you know, we've all chosen our journeys. So it's part of our learning lesson, ah. which I guess leads me into introducing myself and who I am and what my background is. I am a lifelong psychic. I have only recently come out of the psychic closet because I have hated that word my entire life. It has always been a really loaded word and it's always that, you know, it it's, doesn't necessarily come with positive connotations for a lot of people. And so for me, I, I've really struggled with that and I've never identified, never identified as a psychic. I've always said that I'm intuitive or that I channel if I'm being open, but usually I just say I'm intuitive and then it kind of trickled into I channel stuff and then it trickled into I'm a medium and then it triggered into, oh, fuck it, I'm a psychic. So that's what it is. <laughs> so I have, I get all the things, which is fun. I get clairvoyancy and I get clair, well, I can't remember all the, the words from them, but I can see things, I hear things, and I just know things as well. And I feel things, I'm an empath as well. So I have all the things going on with that. And I have all my life, which combined with the neurodiversity has been a really fun, <laughs> it was a really fun childhood, as you can imagine. I wasn't the normal kid. I was the weird kid. And yeah, that led to much bullying and much teasing. And, and you know, as much as it was horrible, it has made me very resilient and also given me a fair bit of trauma and self-esteem issues along the way. However, we're overcoming those. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of my psychic side. Then from a professional perspective, I'm also, I'm also along those lines, I'm also a trained healer of several modalities. So I got some touch for health. I've got a little bit of kinesiology. 
Um, I got some, oh, I'm trained, like attuned to Reiki one and two. I do sound healing, crystal healing, vibrational energy medicine and aromatherapy as well. So I do all of these things and have done very briefly, I did a very brief stint of running a business as a healer slash, well, I never really said I was a reader, but I did the reading when I did it. Even then, even when I was in hippie land, I still didn't want to admit that I was a psychic. But yeah, so I had a very brief stint of running a business in that, but realized I wasn't very good at charging money for that. So I ended up going back to my training, my trained university degree <laughs> qualified business, which is branding and marketing. So I've been in that. I studied at Murdoch University, Perth girl through and through, and I did a double degree in media and communication studies. So a media studies and communications as my double degree. So I pretty much went from uni over to the UK, where I ended up in digital media. I had visions of going over there to be a radio star because I did radio training as well as part of my degree. <laughs> and I was going to be on BBC One and be like the next Zoe Ball. And that did not happen because I got distracted by digital media, which was this whole new thing that was coming out. At the time, it was essentially just banners, MPUs, skyscrapers around websites. That was what classed as digital media back in the dinosaur days when I began this journey, this professional journey of mine. And my first client was Universal Pictures International, uh, which was definitely a baptism of fire. So I learned on the go. I will openly admit that. And they... <laughs> They were a super exciting client to have. We got to go to premieres and, you know, special private viewings and all this sort of stuff, which was amazing, but they definitely had really high standards. So that was a was a really good one to get in on because it put me into some really good habits. It got me understanding the full extent of client services. It also taught me how to set boundaries with my clients <laughs> because they wanted everything for nothing and they wanted it yesterday, which is what happens with a lot of big corporate clients. But yeah, so that is where I began in digital media with skyscrapers and banners. I was project managing that, which was just fun. And then I ended up getting into more website. I went to some some really massive agencies in London, got to work with some of the top people in the world, which was amazing. And I learned a lot more in those years than I could have in an entire lifetime in Perth. So it was just such an amazing experience and then now some of the people that I worked with have gone on to be CEOs of other mega agencies. I was you know in my 20s and I was just soaking up all the knowledge. I was keen and I was hungry and I wanted to make it in advertising and marketing. And so I was just soaking up everything that I could and just taking it all in. So we were doing websites. We had Red Bull Racing website, which I think they still have. I haven't. I checked it probably maybe six months ago and it was still the same one, only updated. And we did the, um, it was the Olympics in 2012 in London and that was the huge thing. I left just before it actually happened, but I worked on the website. So we had their website and that was, that was pretty huge. It was pretty fun, pretty amazing. We had to, you know, they were locking us in rooms and stuff to <laughs> check in. So that was part of our uh, portfolio and I've had Disney, Disney, I got to do some stuff for, which was fun. And especially if you're like designing these little tin pencil cases and then you walk through Tesco's and you see them sitting on the shelves. That was, that was pretty cool. That was more my point of sale stuff rather than the digital stuff. 
we did a bit of a range of stuff with them. But yeah, so my my experience is varied and very broad with when it comes to marketing and, and digital media and stuff. But really the branding part was the part that I enjoyed the most. So when I got back home um, after having a child, I, in fact, it was even before I had a child, I decided I wanted to, to get back into the branding stuff and picked up a job when, with a company called Luminosity, who oddly, I am now, my boss there was one of my favorite bosses in the world and she's now my business mentor. So I might get her on one day to have a chat. But yeah, so I, you know, and that really solidified for me that branding was where I wanted to be more than websites or digital media or the advertising side of things. Branding was it for me. That's what I loved. I loved, you know, creating something out of nothing or turning, you know, turning this little brand that was using clip art from Microsoft Word into something that looked slick and professional and could compete on a global scale. And I just, that just lit me up. So I was like, this is the direction I'm going to go in. And I did. I sort of stopped, had child. And then when he was old enough, I started up Brand Artisans, which actually started as Dreamweavers Creative. So um, I just thought, I'm going to float this and just see how it goes, see if I can do this, see if I can make money for myself, you know, working for myself. And I did. And like I had word of mouth was so strong and just took off. Yeah, so I took the leap and made, you know, came up with brand artisans and and went went official. So I've pretty much been doing that ever since. I've had a few breaks in between where I've gone back overseas to pick up some contracts or got a job in publishing when I got back to Perth from the last in in London, um, because I want to pick up my skills, learn new skills. Because for me, it's all about learning all the time. And if I if there are things that I feel like I need to know for the business, I I'm not afraid to go get a job and learn how to do it from the ground up. Um, because I think that gives you the best idea of of what it is that you need to be doing. So yeah, so that is kind of where I began. That's where Brand Artisans began. Um, there's a lot more stories I could tell about Brand Artisans, but what I actually wanted to talk about today, because part of this podcast is about delving into the the you know the challenges and the difficult topics as well. And for me, it's only been recently when I have come out apart from the fact that I've come out as a as a psychic I've I've only just in this year been open and talked publicly about my DV background and my experience of an abusive relationship I have been it ended like 12 years ago I have been basically scared and hiding for the last 12 years up until recently when I was holding a hosting a fundraiser for Worthy Australia and Jen who is the CEO of Worthy will be coming on as one of my guests at some point um so you'll get to learn more about that but I I, they essentially set up housing for women and children fleeing domestic violence so for me it was a was an issue close to my heart and I thought yep I think as I'm doing my PR for this it's time for me to share a little bit of my story. So I did a an Insta Live just with a very small snippet of what one one specific incident that happened and it, the, the one thing that sort of led me out, I guess, of, of that situation. And as a result of that, the person in question actually contacted Worthy 
um, and started saying things that like that I was using their organization to gain likes and follows and pretty much just bad mouthing me and calling me a liar, essentially. <laughs> which in theory is no skin off my nose. It doesn't matter what that person thinks. If I cared what that person thought, then I wouldn't be here today probably, but it did freak me out. I did have I did have a relapse, so to speak, and turned back into that scared, paranoid, you know, self-doubting person, controlled person who was just like, and I was ready to go back into hiding. I nearly cancelled the event. I thought he's going to know where I am. I can't be there. What if he follows me home to my house? Like I was having all these crazy thoughts and spiraling, spiraling out of control into that fear, even though it had been at that time 12 whole years, 12 years I've been physically safe and I still had, he still had those mental reins on me. And I don't think I realized because I had been so busy with parenting and and business and you know just leading my best life or trying to lead my best life as much as I could without being too public online because every time I got online he or his friends or whatever family would get onto all of my pages and start you know slandering me on my pages and then I'd freak out and close down those pages and you know even though you block them they still find you again and um yeah so I've I'd never really been free online and I was scared of being seen online so even with my business I did not put my face to it I didn't put my name to it at one point I think it was after the second restraining order I actually took a fake name and I was Natalie Walker for a really long time and anything that was online anything that was business related anything that could be found publicly I, I answered to Natalie Walker because I did not want my name on there I, I was assuming he was google searching and that's how he was finding me or whatever but yeah so I was really scared to show up online which then makes it really hard to run a business but outside of that I thought I was doing pretty fucking well <laughs> I thought I've got this I'm this independent woman I'm mumming by myself it's really hard because it's 24 7 and my child is neurodiverse so that was a big you know it wasn't an easy it wasn't an easy route to take um, but it was easier than staying somewhere where I was fearing for my safety and the safety of my child on a constant basis. So I realized when Jen from Worthy reached out to me and said, hey, this is what's just happened. What do you want me to do about this sort of thing? Like, or you know, <laughs> thankfully she has, she deals with this sort of thing all the time. And with an organization like that, they can spot that sort of thing, that manipulation, that narcissism and the, the need to control the narrative that these people have. And yeah, she, she handled it really well. I, again, went into that like I was really embarrassed and ashamed and mortified and then angry at myself for all of those feelings and then also the fact that I was still feeling scared. I, I was furious. I literally, I was so angry. I ended up in tears, angry at myself for still caring and still being fearful and living in fear. But what it did do was wake me up and go, you've been carrying on for the last 12 years acting like and thinking that you are this amazing independent woman, which, you know, I am as well, but all of that and you've still been hiding. You've still not been standing up. You haven't been shining your light because every time you have, 
he's come back out and then you've just run and crawled back into your little hidey hole and disappeared again for as long as you could before you felt like it was safe again. So it was a bit of a wake-up call and I was just, it was a really good time for that to happen because I've been working with an amazing PR coach called Heidi Anderson. I'll give her a little plug. <laughs> if you get the opportunity, do so. And also then my, my business mentor, Juliet Street, and then a bunch of other, I've got, you know, my other team, my holistic healing team and stuff around me, as well as my mommy, because she's amazing, and some really good friends who were there through those days and have been here since those days and have seen, have seen the gamut of my, I guess, trauma and recovery. So they've been there from the beginning to end. So I was really lucky that people just stepped up and went, no, you fucking don't. You will not cancel this event. You will not hide again. You are just finally getting to where you need to be. You're finally owning yourself. You are stepping into your power and you cannot, you cannot stop that for anyone, especially with this situation. So I, yeah, so I had a day of being a burrito, <laughs> as one of my friends calls it. Um, so I had, yep, a day of just feeling sorry for myself and burritoing myself up in the blanket, in my blanket, and watching Netflix and thinking, what am I going to do? And then by the end of the day, I had sort of pulled myself together a little bit more. And after sleeping on it, I woke up in the morning and I was like, right, you guys are right. I've got the best support team ever. I'm not hiding anymore. That's it. I'm out. I'm out now. So <laughs> so I came out again and I decided not to cancel it. And what I ended up doing was actually creating a second post um, to address what had happened. And I put that on every single one of my social media platforms because I figured that he would see it somewhere because he's got his friends and family following and you know, stalking all over the place. So yeah, so I basically just made an announcement that I would not be hiding anymore and I have continued to not hide anymore. And although this is a very top line of that experience, I am now, I'm now just speaking out about it because there are so many women and the stuff that is going on at the moment, there are like, I think it was something like 70 or so women, I know I shouldn't quote stats that I can't remember, but someone told me the other day the stats on how many women are actually killed in like via DV. And in fact, Jen Ball from Worthy said the last time, and it was, and again, ADHD, not good with numbers, but it was a really high percentage of the fatalities that actually were non, non-physical violence. And then they have snapped and then it's become a fatality. And it is just not okay. And from my experience in the family courts and my experience with other people who have had the same experience and having gone through all of those programs like the domestic violence counselling and the family whatever and all, all those sort of things and, and the women that I met in there, like my story was just nothing. It was nothing compared to the hell that they were living and it is just, and all the stories and all the things that these guys do and the words they say and the kind of situations they create are freaking identical. Like one person would be, there was, a, there was a group of like 20 of us. And in that group, every time one person told their story, the rest of us were like, oh my God, yes, exactly the same. Did you have a video camera in my room? 
they are all the same. And the fact that we still cannot stop this from happening and we still are not identifying this from happening before it gets violent is just insane to me. So for me, I feel like it is time for me to start talking out. It is time for me to start encouraging other people to start talking out. If you are in a situation where you think, because this is the thing that I did, I was like, but he hasn't hit me, so I'm fine. Like, it's not it's not domestic violence. What are you talking about? Like, he would throw things at me. He would punch things around me. He would do all the things. Sometimes he'd grab me. Sometimes he, the one incident in particular, he, he, I was lying on the bed and he kicked at me, my six-month pregnant belly, and missed it by this much because I'd rolled over, but the whole bed went flying across the room. And that was my, for me, that was my life. Ah, no, you can do what you need to do to me, but, but you know, that you nearly killed my child or you could have killed my child. So I, that was, that was my breaking point. But in my head, I still didn't think it was violent. And it took a lady from Centrelink to tell me that I was in a violent relationship. And I still was arguing. I was like, no, but it's not because he hasn't hit me. The trigger should have been when his mum probably was not long before. I was probably about four or five months pregnant at that point. But his mum had spoken to me on the phone and she actually said to me, because I, I was, we were having an argument, I was petrified. I thought that was when I was like, I felt physically unsafe. And I think I ended up ringing her out of desperation because I didn't want to ring my mum. There was no way I was going to tell my mum what was going on. And I rang her out of desperation and her, her words to me were, has he hit you yet? And I just want to let that sink in for a moment because I should have let that sink in. I did, at the time, I did stop and I felt my whole chest kind of freeze up and my breath was caught in my throat because she said yet. I thought, has he hit you yet? It wasn't, it wasn't a possibility or a maybe anymore it was like an inevitability like this was going to happen no matter like it just it was a matter of time and she just seemed to think that was so normal or whatever like that that is just how I guess their family is and was and to them it was just a given and I but I <laughs> Really, that should have been, I mean, I think that was probably the beginning of the end, but really that at that point should have been the point where I went, no, nah, I mean, this is not okay. But I think my point of that is I just want to emphasize if you are being controlled in any way financially, socially, if you're being isolated if you're, you know, like it's, that's usually that thing where your friends are problematic and you can't see them anymore or, you know, especially for me, it was like, firstly, it was my male friends and I was being accused of sleeping with all of them. So I wasn't allowed to see any of them. And then it was all my female friends. And apparently I was sleeping with them too. So I wasn't allowed to see them. And the ones that he couldn't say that about, it was more like, oh no, they're problematic for this reason. And she only likes you because of that, or they only like you because of that. And they're only good for this. And they're just using you and whatever else. It was planting all those seeds, right? And then the final one was starting to um, detach me from my family. And I'm really close to my mum. And even my mum said they were overseas at, at one point at the beginning of that relationship. And she said when we Zoomed, she was, she was getting really worried because she could see me. I'd left my body. Like, and that's what happened. So, you, you know, 
you kind of start to be a bit vacant because your soul is too scared to be in this in this world. So you just kind of you disappear. It's like any trauma. You disappear. You, your soul tries to keep itself safe while your body goes through the motions of whatever's going on. So, yeah, so if you're getting isolated or anything like that, um, yeah, financial control. And just that the gaslighting, gaslighting is like a, a real kind of, I don't know, hot word at the moment. People are always like gaslighting, gaslighting, gaslighting. But it really is, there is a difference between, you know, your basic kind of, oh, you didn't say that or you did say that, to what what true gaslighting really is, which is it's full psychological manipulation. It's making you think you're crazy. It's telling you that you didn't say something you did say or didn't do something you did do or did do something that you didn't do or did say something that you didn't say. And they get you round in circles so that nothing even makes sense anymore and you don't even know what's going on. And you can't argue it because it doesn't make sense. There's no logical sense. You end up in these arguments and then they t- they say that you're lying because you're, you're kind of backtracking and you're like just overwhelmed by all of the the nonsense that's coming out of their mouths and the moment that you question the logic it's you know that's when the argument starts so if you're feeling any of those things if you're you know even just that well obviously the bullying and intimidation right that's just that's just a given that doesn't have to be physical there's a lot of that just you know even just standing over you or hovering over you or even sexual abuse when you've said no and they, they do it anyway but, you know, even just putting you down, telling you you're stupid, you know, just, just saying, oh, you can't do anything, you're useless, you're stupid, or, or like even little teeny tiny things like making fun of something little because it just destabilizes you, especially if you're first dating, just, you know, that, that a little dig at something that makes you feel like, oh, that's them testing, they're testing the waters. So I think for me it's really important to highlight those things that are that seem not violent but if you've ever looked at non-violent communication it is not that <laughs> that it couldn't be further from that if there was something if they were doing something to you or saying something to you that you would hate to hear your friends or see your friends going through then I can tell you it is probably it's probably abusive so you know within your soul whether things feel right and whether things don't feel right it's something the trick is being able to identify it and then being able to get out of it, right? Because once you're in there, you're already you're kind of already gone. They've got you. And for me, I'm like, I went to a private school. My, you know, like I we didn't grow up with heaps of money, but my dad, you know, sort of made his way, and we ended up living in Peppy Grove. So I kind of come from I mean, come from a family who had worked our way up, but you know, we were there. So I'd come from that. I'd been to a private school. I had a university education. I'd been traveling, I'd, you know, I'd been married. I was married to um, to a lovely man who I'm still friends with. We were, we were together for 10 years and, you know, we'd gone over to England together or to London together and my I, my career took off and his, you know, his career, he started in recruiting and he's now running his own recruiting business. And yeah, we both kind of took off. And so I'd done all these amazing things with my life and yet I still got sucked in to this abusive relationship because at the beginning it was a whirlwind there was flowers there was calling me princess there was compliments galore there was just let's go on another date it was just fast 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 all these beautiful wonderful words coming out of the mouth that makes you feel so special and so loved and you know and especially for me 
post-divorce, I think I'd been divorced for probably 12 months at a push. So I was feeling, you know, unlovable, I suppose, at the time. In fact, that's what my ex-husband says. He's like, Nikki, you're you're a perfect target. Like you were prey. You were, you know, you were kind of a bit lost and looking looking for something. So, yeah. So that's where I that's where I kind of ended up. And I think it took me by surprise. Well, it did take me by surprise because that wasn't the world that I came from. It was very different. And I, in hindsight, think, you know, that's the thing you just. The judgment that you put on, you know, women in DV relationships, and this is, I think this is a bit of the media as well, right? So people think, oh, yeah, no, it's just uneducated women who don't have much money and whatever, they, they're the ones who end up in those relationships. But it's not. It can happen at any level. And I have met women who, who are, you know, in, in multi-million dollar families, uh, relationships, you know, they are, they are top of the top and they're still in that sort of situation. And I think until I ended up in it, I was like, but I'm really smart. <laughs> I'm really smart and I'm really educated. And how, how, how did I not see this? I've done psychology. How did I not see this coming? Like it just, I just, I think for me, it was embarrassing. I was definitely embarrassed and it was, I was ashamed and I, I didn't have a great self-esteem anyway due to some stuff from, you know, from my childhood. So even though that was something I'd always worked on, my underlying my underlying self esteem issues were probably would probably like made me ripe for the picking. But yeah, I just I was like, how how did I? I'm not supposed to end up like that. That's not meant to happen. How did that happen to me? But it does because they get you in, and then once you're in, you're in, and it's very very hard to get out, and it's very fucking scary to think about leaving because you don't know what is going to happen. Or you do know what is going to happen and you know it's not going to be pretty. And and I think a lot of it, that's why people don't get out because A, they've got nowhere to go. B, because they've been isolated from everybody that they know or they didn't have anyone in the first place. And or because they, yeah, they're just scared of what's going to happen. Or when you've got kids as well, like how do you, how do you navigate that? And do you then end up just running away and having, you know, sleeping in the car with your family? because it's safer than being in the house. And I, I won't touch too much on that because that will be something we talk about um, in my interview with Jen from Worthy um, because that's essentially where they step in. And they set up housing for, for women and children to help sort of reduce the homelessness situation, which is really, it's really rife amongst DV survivors and escapees, not victims. We're not calling them victims. Yeah. So homelessness is a really big issue. And Especially if you've got kids, you don't want to be living with in a refuge forever. Refuges are fantastic because it's somewhere to go, but it's not a long-term solution. So what uh, what Worthy does is is create long-term solutions basically and create homes, not just houses. Create homes for women and children so they can walk in because you leave with nothing, <laughs> and other than what you can fit in your car or what you can fit in a backpack, and um, they walk into an amazing house that's fully kitted out and plate with you know things down to cutlery and, and toiletries and all that sort of stuff so right down to the minuscule details is what worthy does but so that's that's kind of for me where I ended up and and why I now am out and about and talking about it for the first time in 12 years because I've seen way too many news articles of women being murdered by their domestic partners kids being murdered by their, you know, violent fathers. And, you know, there have been some mothers as well. I won't 
I won't gender stereotype there because there has been a few that have happened uh, in the last couple of years of, of mums doing the same thing. But essentially, for me, my path is trying to help other women identify the situation they're in and I guess just find find it within themselves to get out. So originally, I wanted to do that exact thing and I wasn't ready to talk about my own experiences as myself. So I actually wrote a fiction series. And this is where the publishing stuff comes in. I wrote a fiction series that is basically like, I have called it a gritty chick lit, but essentially it it's sort of under the guise of a, you know, Fifty Shades kind of vibe without the intentional violence. But it had a little bit of, oh, it had the hard-hitting stuff in it, right, which is why I called it Gritty Cheat Lit. So it's essentially urban urban romance and it's full of a lot of the hard stuff. There's dom- domestic violence, there's rape, there's drug usage there or drug abuse as well. You know, there's just all of the, and child abuse too, um, all of the things, all of the horrible things um, because... I felt like I needed to, well, A, I felt like I couldn't tell my story straight out, so I needed to fictionalise it. I think from a psychology perspective as well, I just needed to fictionalise it so I could process it because I don't think my head had really still processed it, even though it had been a long time. But that was my way of like, it was my it was my form of therapy and putting it into, so the, the character is is Ashley Granger and putting it in Ashley's words and making it Ashley's experience seemed it it felt easier it felt distanced i felt more comfortable and i could put stuff out into the world without feeling like i was putting myself on show i was putting myself at risk and and just yeah in a safe in a safe way for me so yeah so i then authored this series under the name NJ Ewing so that is my author name she will be retiring very soon as soon as I finish the third the third book in the series because, you know, now I'm stepping into myself and I don't need her anymore. She served a fantastic purpose. But, yeah, so the book, the first book in the series, which was Stories from the City, was around this domestic violence, this woman who had fled from domestic violence and kind of just charted her growth. And as I've said, I am really fascinated with the behind the scenes of the human brain. I love, I, I did I did a bit of psych and a bit of sociology. So I just, I'm just fascinated with humans and how our brains work and, and our behavior and our mannerisms and, and all this sort of stuff that goes on behind the scenes. So I guess a lot of that book was looking at the the psychological impact of of violence and what happens to the individual and the weird little things that people don't necessarily realize might have come from trauma because trauma instigates so so much especially when it comes to neurodiversity like ADHD and some some types of neurodiversity can also be a trauma response they are triggered not always sometimes it's just ADHD or or ASD or whatever or SPD even um, all the acronyms but sometimes trauma can trigger ADHD and I think in my situation, I definitely have not, I've only found out recently in the last couple of years that I am ADHD and slightly on the spectrum, high functioning, 
Um, and also SPD, which every everyone who's got autism has, which is sensory processing. I don't like saying disorder, but it's that's what it's called. And yeah, so I just distracted myself. But yes, all the neurodiversity stuff. So I've definitely noticed for me in in hindsight when I look back and go, oh, okay, so now that I know this is ADHD that I have, it definitely was worsened by that experience. That trauma definitely had triggered a lot of stuff that I was probably masking really, really well before then. I think my entire life has been a bit of a struggle, but I think up until that that trauma, I was keeping it together to a certain extent and masking it fairly well, but that sort of, yeah, triggered it off. So for me, I guess that was part of what I wanted with the books was to kind of show all those things. And the thing is there's, you know, the physical bruises, bruises sort of heal, Broken legs, broken bones heal, but those psychological damage that is done from abuse and violence just is a lifelong thing that you have to fight against. And you can be like me 12 years down the track and suddenly realizing that, shit, I actually haven't fully dealt with that. There's still a lot of layers here that I didn't realize. So yeah, so that was kind of the purpose of the book as well, is to kind of show show the damage that it does and show other people those little behaviors that can be happening in somebody that might indicate that something has gone on that they've got a bit of trauma or there's something happening there so so yeah it was it was a deep dive it was therapy it was my desire to help other people just recognize it's the recognizing that i think is the hardest part to then come to terms with so yeah, so Ashley Granger was my tool to do that. And yeah, and she's nearly she's nearly done now. Uh with this book three. It's it's nearly finished and that'll be winding up. So Stories from the City was the first one. Um and then there are six sort of main characters as well uh, throughout the series who all have their own trials and tribulations, their own stories, their you know, as as, you know, and their own interesting psychology. So you get to sort of see how all these different things affect the different people and there's sort of, you know, one couple who seem really good on the surface but then the wife cheats and there's another couple that, you know, and then you find out, well, I don't want to give away too much, but there is, there's a little bit of everything and there is, we've got a bit of suicide, we've got a bit of, you know, there's, it's, it's a, yeah, it comes with a trigger warning, I think, is, is probably the disclaimer on that. But yeah, so that, and that's kind of what then led me into publishing. It was just writing my story getting my story out there. I've always been a writer. I did a lot of that with my degree. And even when I was at school, like lit was my subject, and, uh, you know, and I used to write song lyrics and music lyrics and stuff. And I used to write screenplays because I did drama from a very young age. So I'd always been a writer. I just never thought about writing a book before. So once I'd sort of kicked off this series and got this series out and then I guess test drove how to publish, how to self-publish and then be having you know, my business set up and knowing that I could do at least like 80% of that stuff anyway, um, I thought, well, look, let's just, let's just get a job in publishing, figure out what that last sort of 20% is that I don't know and, and then see if we can make this a thing. So, so yeah, so my, my personal therapy led to a professional kind of outlet, I suppose. And now, you know, through the business, we are, we're publishing, we're publishing some books. So, that's exciting. That is exciting. But but it is yet yet to be seen as to whether it helps anybody and and whether it does or not. I think really it was a good experience for me to process my own my own situation. 
But as time goes on and as I get better at, I guess, articulating my experiences, which I still, as you can hear, I'm quite awkward about. I still feel uncomfortable about it and that's okay. It's a process, right? And as I as I go and as I move through, there, there will be a book and it will be under my name and it will be my actual experiences rather than fictionalized experiences. And it will focus around being able to help other people out. And because really that I feel like that's part of my job here is helping people identify any undesirable situations that they're in and getting to the other side of those because it can feel like really dark days when you're there and it can be really, really fucking lonely. And um, especially if it's a sort of DV situation, there's a lot of shame and guilt or same with, I mean, sexual abuse as well. All, all of the those abuses, anything that's sort of along those lines, that there's a lot of guilt and shame of the survivors. And it really just shouldn't be that way. And it's because we don't talk about it enough and it's because we aren't open about it enough because it's fucking painful because people don't want to relive that because the more you relive it, the more you re-traumatise yourself. And I think that's part of why I've never really wanted to talk about it much either because I feel like, well, that's done and dusted and it's all over now. And But sometimes, sometimes you need to and sometimes sharing your story is what helps other people. So... On that note, I will say if if you think you would be a good fit for this podcast and you would like to come on as a guest, um, please hit me up, reach out, DM me, DM the page, email via the website um, and let me know, give me a little bit about your story and what you would like to share with people. But what I want to end with is end on a bit of a high, which is for me, I guess the biggest lessons that have come out of it is, you know, lean on other people let your team of people help you create there will I guarantee you there's people there even if you don't think there are there's people there who who want to and are willing to help you so lean on them you are worthy of help you're allowed to ask for help we all need to ask for help like life is about community right we're tribal we're tribal species oh there's a whole nother podcast in that for you I've done a I've done a pretty much a doctorate's worth of of study and research on the on the tribal side and and herd herd mentality versus tribe. But yeah, so so life as a as it came up in one of my brand mediumship sessions with a client yesterday, life is a shared experience. So let people in and share it. Like share your burden. Don't ever feel like you're not worthy enough of being helped. You are allowed to ask for help. You are safe to accept for help. It is not selfish. And you don't owe people things. People help because they want to. So reach out. Always, always reach out to people. And, you know, and lean on people when you need to because I'm pretty sure you're probably always there for others. So let people be there for you. That's that's the really big thing. But my biggest message, especially on this topic of DV, for anyone who is there or is going through family court side of things or is trying to get out, it gets better. It gets better. It's still hard. It will always be hard and it will always, always be something that you're working through. But it gets better. <laughs> and I know it doesn't feel like it. And I have a couple of friends who are on the other side of that right now. And it, it breaks my heart watching it because there's nothing anyone else can really do to make it better. We can help and we can be there to support and we can hold space for you. But unfortunately, with that sort of thing, sometimes it's just a matter of riding out the storm. But it does. And honestly, I I am 
such a different person now than I was 12 years ago. Even five. I mean, we all are. We all change, right? And I don't want to sound glib when I say I think it made me the person I am, but it definitely did toughen me up. It opened my eyes. It added to my resilience. I was already pretty resilient because there was a little bit of, I've had a little bit of other stuff happen in my life, but it did it did make me a stronger person and it's put me in a position where I can now help other people and educate other people and from a place of understanding <laughs> like understanding and empathizing rather than just sort of knowing and sympathizing I guess is is the difference which which can happen so yeah so that is that there we go but but you know I think the thing is sorry I'm trying to trying to just gather my thoughts and articulate the words that I'm actually I'm thinking in my head and I'm just trying to say them properly but for me as much as shitty experiences are shitty experiences and I know there's people who are like, oh, everything happens for a reason. And I'm one of those people because everything does. But without making light of that, people who have endured challenges and people who have gone through some heavy stuff are usually the most interesting, well-rounded, kind-hearted people that I have met because they know what it's like to be at rock bottom. So if you're at rock bottom... Find one of those people who have been there because they will understand and they will know and they will be there for you and they will do what they can to help you out of it because, because we feel it and we know what it's like to be at the other end of it and we know what it's like to be at this end of it and it's so much better at this end of it. You've just got to get there. You've just got to ride those waves and meet those challenges face on and not hide from stuff as well and that's <clears throat> for me. I think as much as I've, you know, always been one to to face challenges head on and, you know, I'm big on self-development. So I was always like, okay, so what's going on here for me? I need to look at this and I need to heal this and I need to shine a mirror here. I, I was still letting myself hide and I won't ever, ever hide again now. I'm, I'm, I'm out like, and it has triggered me to come out in so many more ways than one. I've come out as a psychic. I'm finding myself like my ADHD like I'm owning that you know for before all of these things potentially could have been and have been like a source of shame and now I'm just like this is me and every day I find more I find out more about myself like I'm 43 <laughs> and I've spent my entire life doing self-development but I'm still discovering things and now especially that I you know now that I'm stepping into who I really am and I'm refusing to hide anymore it's happening so much faster. It's just like every single day there is something new that comes up and something, you know, some some more evolution that happens. And my business, my brand, myself, my life, my family, like everything is just, it's just moving forward at a rate of knots in a really exciting way. And in the past I would have been scared of that. And now I'm just like, fucking hell, this is amazing. This is like where I'm at now is the life that I thought I would love to have. Apart from being single, I'm kind of over that now. We'll just, you know, <laughs> caveat that side of that. This, like, I would have dreamed of this life, you know, 12 years ago and 
you know, just don't know that I could have even fathomed being here. But I can see now there's just so much more. Like this life that I love is about to freaking level up. Like it's going. Things are going and they're going fast because I'm finally owning who I am. I'm finally loving who I am more to the point and accepting all those things about myself that in the past I might have been ashamed of. Whereas now it's like, this is me. This is who I am. I need to find ways to hack those things, hack that ADHD brain, share that with people as much as I can. And yeah, and then and just love the person that I am and be proud of the person that I am and celebrate every little fucking win because like especially like, well, not especially women, but a lot of women, a lot of us, let's face it, we do something amazing. Like I launched books and didn't even tell anyone. I just launched them. <laughs> I just published them and put them out there and didn't end up with a launch party. It was, you know, they just kind of happened. So when the third book comes out, which is the end of the series, I'm going to have a massive fuck off launch party <laughs> to celebrate that and everything that I have achieved over the last, well, over my lifetime. Why not? Let's just go big or go home. <laughs> So yeah, so I've now realized that you have to actually celebrate those little things and definitely celebrate the big things um, because <clears throat> you're amazing. We are amazing. And we as women, especially in the business world, are always on a bit of a back foot to the men because this world is made for them and we have to fight a little bit harder. And that's okay because it just shows how much stronger we are <laughs> um, and how amazing we are that we still make it in a world that's not made for us. So Love yourself, trust yourself, believe in yourself, use your voice, get out there, be seen and just live your dream. Do it. Just do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Just listen, tune into your intuition, tune into your guides and make that life happen because you can't sit back and expect anyone else to make it for you. And I think that is the key as well. And that's what I'm going to be interested in as we move forward with all my, all my guest interviews is I, I already know a lot of the women who I'm interviewing and I can tell you for sure that every single one of those have made their wealth, they've made their success, they've made their life. They have fought hard and they have made it happen. They didn't just sit back and wait for someone else to make it happen for them. They have fought for it. They fought every step of the way because whatever you want, there will be a million other people who will want it as well and a lot of them will want it more. So you have to do whatever it takes to get your to make your dream happen. <clears throat> be that person. Be relentless. Send 50,000 emails even though you're the annoying person. Do what you have to do. Make your dreams happen. And just start living it. And just live in the gratitude of all those little things that you that you can be gratitude grateful for on a daily basis because gratitude breeds gratitude. So that's my little hint and tip. <clears throat> Not that I'm the the tip of the success iceberg or anything. I'm a just can't wait to meet all these other women who are, you know, doing some phenomenal things. But I'm pretty happy with where I'm at. So, and I'm pretty stoked because this podcast has been on my list. So this is a, let's celebrate this win. Woo! Podcast. My very first episode is about one minute from winding up. So I have had such a great time. I hope you, I'm, I'm impressed if you're still here listening to me, <laughs> listening to me babbling on and on in my, in my podcast. Um, but I really, I'm really pleased to be able to start sharing a bit of this with you, a bit of myself with you, a bit of some amazing women with you. Honestly, I don't want to release the lineup yet, um, but I, I'm so excited to get talking to these ladies because it is just, just a 
phenomenal, phenomenal human beings to come. So thank you very much. Thanks for being with me on my very first episode. And I hope that I hope that you stick around for some more. We have dropped a couple of extra ones because I wanted to launch with three so that you can you can get a little bit more than just me. <laughs> so please have a listen to the next podcast or a watch of the next podcast, however you're doing it. And yeah, stay tuned. Stay tuned for more. Mwah. Thanks, guys. Love ya. Thank you so much for joining me on the Kick-Ass Chronicles. It's been wonderful to have you with me and I hope you've enjoyed today's episode. If you want to get in touch with me or you want to see more of what I do, you can find me on Instagram at NikkiWeaverOfficial or you can jump over to my website at NikkiWeaver.com and every episode of the podcast will be on there as well, um, plus a few other amazing things that I am up to. So <laughs> looking forward to catching up with you again next time. 